Okay, everybody, uh, welcome to the latest episode of the Clary podcast. Uh, not read by Aaron Clary. My name is Adam Piggott, his Australian buddy in arms. And Aaron contacted me and said, uh, would I mind recording the podcast for him um, due to the fact that he's, I think he's not that well. Um, I just reread the email that he sent me, actually. Um, and I misread it. I thought that he wanted something for next week, and it said, it, I think it's this week now. So my bad, because I was taking my time to sort of plan it out properly, so I could do something that just wasn't just totally off the cuff. But now I'm going to have to do it pretty much totally off. Well, not totally off the the cuff. I have prepared some points here to speak about. And remember, this is this is coming from Australia, and of course, most of his listeners are in North America. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and make it as um, relevant to you up there as I can. But also I'm going to talk about some Australian stuff as well that you might find interesting. Um, if for those of you who don't know me, um, I have my own blog, uh, Pushing Rubber Downhill, which is based on my first book by the same name which was a story about my journey to becoming a man via being a whitewater rafting guide in cool places like Uganda and Italy and stuff like that. I never got to the USA. Well, or I tell a lie. We did sneak into Washington State from British Columbia to paddle a river. Uh, so we snuck in illegally. Yes. Yeah, we did. That was 1997, though. So, uh, I don't know, is there a statute of limitations on that if I come to the States now? Um, I suppose with Trump in that, that hopefully your horrible uh, airports will be improved. Um, I'm, we've really, hasn't the election been great? Uh, it's, almost, it's almost at this date a month post-election in the USA and it's still going strong. The joy that we're feeling... Um, it's literally like, there's like a swelling, a swelling in our collective cocks at how fantastic this period of time is. And that's only due to the fact that the left are still crying so loudly. They're, they're still, there was a thing I read, there's a thing I read just now, um, over on Ace of Spades, um... And it's it's just it kind of uh, kind of sums up. Here we go, Valerie Jarrett. Trump's victory was soul crushing, as Ace said. He was hoping for soul annihilating or soul ripping. Obviously, we were surprised by the outcome of the election. No shit. And actually, I saw a great thing yesterday of a collection of the best celebrities and uh, CNN talking house talking heads saying that Trump would never win. I started off with George Clooney, of course, and finished with Barack Obama saying, well, at least I was the president, even though everyone's called me the worst president. Well, no, Barack, you're going to be the worst president. Worse even than Jimmy Carter. That's saying something. Um, obviously, uh, Obama's two terms have really helped Jimmy Carter well, with his own personal inadequacies. Anyway, so this woman, Valerie Jarrett, Obviously, we were surprised by the outcome of the election. It kind of was like, I'm not sure what the right analogy would be, 
but like a punch in the stomach, let's say. Soul-crushing might be another description, Jarrett said, but that's the democracy that we have. The people get to decide and the elections matter and we have to get about the business of doing our job. And now Ace has written after that, your tears are sweet lubrication for my dick. So good. So good. And that's why, like, in, in an all unit, I mean, shit, I'm not even in the United States. I never, well, technically, I've never even been there. Um, and, you know, I didn't get to vote for Trump. It's not fair. Even though I called it way early. Um, but this, the, 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 they keep crying. They keep crying. They keep being soul crushed and soul destroyed and soul annihilated and soul ripped, you know, and they're literally shaking right now. It's like everyone's literally shaking right now. I mean, I don't know. Do you walk out of the street in New York and there's like these amorphous jelly people shaking their way down the street? Literally shaking? Yeah, yeah, literally shaking over here too. I'm literally shaking. It's just, oh, God. It's just so great. And then yesterday, the uh, Trump announced his pick for the who to head the Environmental Protection Agency over there and all oh, the wailing that's gone on with this, which means that his pick is awesome. However, if Trump's pick really was totally awesome, the first thing he'd do when he got into the EPA would be to shut down the entire EPA. Just kill it dead. That would be that would be the ultimate. But the problem is is that Trump isn't right wing. Trump's a moderate. He's, he's pretty close to a liberal. I mean, he supported Clinton back in the day. So Look, he's making some good moves, but it just remains to be seen uh, if he's going to... I mean, because you're, you're federal, over there, your federal um, government and bureaucracy really needs to be dismantled. It's just grown beyond recognition. And that's the same in Australia. At least you've got Trump. Uh, so self-made businessman. Um, we've got Malcolm Turnbull, who this week tried to bring in another climate tax on the sly and he's supposed to be a conservative it's it's beyond belief absolutely beyond belief um so at least at least you got trump people are saying who's going to be the trump in australia there will not be any trump in australia it's like you don't trump's don't come along that often they don't come along that often and and you guys over there in yankee land or we actually call you sepos by the way sepo land is what we call it uh americans sepos uh septic tank Yank, Seppo. There you go. So if you come to Australia, well, the older people call you Sep Seppos. Millennials, millennials don't don't get that. Um, millennials don't get anything. Uh, millennials have just been told all their lives that they're brilliant and special, and wonderful, and the world owes them everything, and they've grown up believing that. And now we see that out there. Uh, so you won't hear that from a millennial. A millennial probably won't even talk to you if you come to Australia, which will be to your distinct advantage. So, yeah, Trump with the EPA. Uh, I think he's announced someone this morning who's going to be heading up your... Um, uh, what have we got? Um, Secretary of Labor, who's a critic of minimum wage workplace regulations, uh, a huge... Oh, he's a huge booster of amnesty and dramatically expanded replacement worker visas, so that's not good. I mean, it's 
going to be interesting. I mean, I mean, what if there's a grand plan where he heads all these people up and the first thing they all announce on his inaugura- day after his inaugura- inauguration um, is that uh, like the new head of the EPA comes thing, and for my first and only act as head of the EPA, we're shutting down the EPA, eh, dead, all those government jobs, gone. And what, they're trying, what they're starting to do now in Australia is ship government agencies to regional towns. Now, it's, it's ostensibly to give regional towns that are suffering jobs, but really it's just a, it's just a form of vote buying. I mean, they'll pick the region and work out, okay, if we need to hold that region, which is an actual seat in the next federal election, how many votes could we swing that way? How many could we swing it? Let's say to take X number of votes, X number of people in a family, so one person from the family works for the government, their job depends on them voting. So they're just, they're just rigging it that way in Australia at the moment. Um, Australia tends to be like a few years just behind the Amer- America in the terms of the craziness, um, but then it lags as well in the terms of improvement. So even though over in the States you guys have gone a lot more crazy than we have, um, I think there's a possibility that you'll fix it quicker and that it's kind of like we lag behind it. Kind of like the whole CO2 and global warming and heat. Like, um, you know, the Al Gore inconvenient truth propaganda bullshit piece. And he gets up there and he goes, look, look, you know, here's the CO2 and it's going up and look, the temperatures are going up and it's reacting to the CO2. Well, that's, that's, that's wrong, because anyone who knows anything about ice core samples knows that the heat goes up and there's an 800-year time lag before the CO2 goes up. So it's a reaction to the heat. Um, so anyway, we'll, that's also a good one. There's a video on that. Uh, that's a good one to show to your climate change, global warming, alarmers and believing um, family and friends. Um, I've had quite a few people... Uh, get fixed because of that one um what is my cat doing duke stop that or you'll be dead dead i mean it i'll put you outside i'm recording people in america um now when i contact when aaron contacted me um i asked him eh, what would you like me to talk about and he's like eh, talk about anything plug your stuff you know I like plugging my stuff, but I don't want to go absolutely ridiculously crazy on it. Um, But what he did say was that, uh, I'll quote, uh, talk about whatever you want, though I would love it if you'd explain that driving across Australia is not taking your life into your own hands. Uh, I'm assuming this is because um, Aaron wants to do a road trip across Australia, which I assume he'd want to do on a motorbike. And someone's of the opinion that uh, this would be dangerous and terrible. Um, and he needs me to convince this person that it would not be dangerous and terrible at all. So welcome everyone uh, overseas to Adam's Road Trip Australia descriptor of uh, how to do an Australian road trip. Where to start, where to finish, what to see, what to do, what to avoid, what not to bother with, how to have a good time, how to have a fast time, how to have a drunk time. Uh, how not to get killed, how not to get murdered, how not to get bitten, not get eaten, not get stung, not get butchered, not get raped, not get pillaged, 
uh, not die of thirst, not die of boredom, uh, not end up naked unless you want to, uh, and not end up gay. So you're coming. Let's say you're coming from the United States. Oh, don't start drilling outside my window, you fucks. You're coming, you're flying in from the United States. Now, just have a think about it now. Think of a map of Australia. I, I know you people over in the United States are pretty ignorant. I, I know that a lot of you don't really know that there exists a place outside the USA called the rest of the world. I actually, I actually, I mean, rafting overseas, I was in rafting in Uganda, and I got this American couple on my raft. Um, and American couples, or American people I found overseas, just hang on a sec, my cat's being very bad. Yeah, that's how you deal with a recalcitrant cat. Um, what was I saying? Oh yeah, American couple in Uganda. And we're going to, oh, you got a picture this, right? We're floating down the White Nile, which is the start of the world's longest river. At the time, the best rapids in the world. I say at the time because a lot of them have gone underwater because of a dam that they put in. It was the largest uh, whitewater river, as in size of rapids, that you could go on at the time. It was absolutely enormous. Um, and we're floating down and there's mud huts and villages, there's Africans, there's wild animals, there's monkeys in the trees, there's all sorts of stuff. It's just like as cool as cool can be. And, and this American couple there and this, this guy had had to, turned out that they'd, they'd come on this holiday, he'd had to specifically get a passport to come on this holiday because he'd never had a passport before. The only place he'd been was Mexico because apparently you don't need a passport if you're American to go to Mexico. Uh, apparently Mex Mexicans don't need a passport to come to the United States either by the sound of it. Ha, ha, ha. And has uh, that wall been built yet for you? So he's like, uh, he's like saying to me, yeah, man, yeah, you know, uh, uh, this is my attempt at American accent, by the way. He's like, yeah, man, yeah, you know, uh, uh, I, I never wanted to come anywhere else because, you know, everything you need in the world is right there in the USA. We don't, we don't need to come. But, you know, this is okay. You know, this is, yeah, this is okay. And everyone's just looking at him like he's a complete moron, which he was. Uh, I also, oh, there was this guy, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, so... Picture a map of Australia. If you can't picture a map of Australia and you're listening to this on one of your apps or you've got your phone there, just Google Earth map, whatever, get Australia up. And what you want to do is look at Australia, zoom in to the top right-hand side at the top uh, where the pointy bit kind of starts and right on the right side of the pointy bit you'll see about the last um, major centre there before you start getting into the tip is called Cairns. Now, Cairns has an international airport and direct flights go to Cairns, I think, from Honolulu. I'm pretty sure they do. So what you want to do is, if you're coming into Australia, you want to arrive in Cairns. Now, if you're wondering what's north of Cairns, there's a little town called Port Douglas, um, and there's another little town after that called uh, Cooktown, because that's where Cook, the uh, English explorer, uh, banged into the coral reef two or three hundred years ago. Um, but then north of that, there's fuck all. Lots of crocodiles, so don't go up there. 
Anyway, so Cairns. Now Cairns is is oh, the gateway to the Barrier Reef. So the Barrier Reef is this big reef in Australia where you can go um, diving and see lots of coral and it's real beautiful. And the greenies here keep saying that it's dying in terrible ways because they lie. They just lie all the time, like they always do. Um, and coming to Cairns. Now Cairns is where I lived for four years back in the 90s. If you read my book, Pushing Rubber Downhill, I told stories about the party life in Cairns. Um, how good is the party life in Cairns? Well, the part the Cairns is full of backpacker hostels on the Esplanade facing the Coral Sea, and you get lots and lots and lots and lots of European backpackers coming into Cairns, and often it's their last it's their last bit of Australia before they go home. All right, um, or it's the first bit of Australia before after they've arrived so either they're going home so they really want to make the most of whatever time they have left and when i say european backpackers i'm thinking busty blonde swedish chicks because who isn't thinking that when you think of european backpackers let's be honest uh busty blonde swedish chicks um so either they're on their way home and they need to and maybe you know they need to go home with a, a really good experience or they've just arrived in Australia and they're so excited about being here. Um, and there are these nightclubs in the city. And the most infamous nightclub is a place called the Wool Shed. Wool Shed, spelled W-O-O-L and then shed. Wool, like wool off a sheep's back. Wool Shed. And this has been, this has been in operation for 25, 30 years. Um, and it's basically... Uh, and there's an upstairs area and there's these long like wooden bench tables with wooden benches like you'd see outside and everyone sits and eats at them really bad food but really cheap so all of the backpackers are going there because it's really cheap food <coughs> and then at about 9 p.m or 10 p.m they'll, they'll crank up the music and all the food goes and everyone gets up on top of the tables and starts dancing um and look put it this way about cans if you can't get laid in cans with a human being of the opposite sex if you can't get laid in cans, just give up, okay? Give up because um, go and go and be homosexual or go and move to a monastery or just end your life. Because if you can't get laid in cans, you can't get laid full stop. There is so much easy, holiday-infested... Think of cans... What do you have? Like your spring break or something? What's that summer break? What is that thing that you have in America... I think that's what Cairns is like all the fucking time. I worked there as a rafting guide for four years. It is wall-to-wall, non-stop, backpacker pussy. That's all it is. They all want to get laid. They all want to have a good time. You want to practice your game moves? Cairns. Cairns. And Cairns is a cool place. I mean, remember the actor, Lee Marvin, uh, who was a Marine in World War II? Um, and just like, he was a bunch of those cool, when actors were cool, so like Steve McQueen, Clint Eastwood, um, Lee Marvin, uh, whoever else were around at that time. I mean, there's just, he used to come to Cairns and go marlin fishing. You can fish for black marlin off Cairns. It's one of the few places in the world that got black marlin fishing. So the place is cool, it's laid back, it's tropical, it's a tropical lifestyle. Um, it's not as cool as it was when I was there 25 years ago, and that's not because I'm not there anymore. I've, I've, obviously, that's got something to do with it. But it's 
it's still pretty good. So what you do is you fly into Cairns. Spend a week in Cairns. Go out on the reef, get laid, get laid a lot. Um, and what you want to do is you want to buy, you want to purchase your vehicle with which you're going around Australia. Now, it's you can purchase cheap, good vehicles in Australia. And there are even companies, because there are so many backpackers who do this, there are companies... You can buy your car off a company in Cairns and sell it back to the same company uh, at the end of your trip on the other side of Australia. So that you're going to start your trip in Cairns, you're going to finish your trip in Perth, all right, which is way over on the west coast. And incidentally, that's where I'm from. That's where I was born and bred. Okay. So there are companies, there are car companies that you can buy. Now, these are, these are bombs. You're paying $1,000, $2,000 for these cars. But they'll get you there, probably. They'll get you there. And they're not going to buy it back from you for the full price that you bought it from them because that would be stupid. They have to make some money, but they're going to give you, they get, just think of it as an expense. They'll give you some money back, all right? They're going to give you, this is part of your expense. If you were going to rent something, it's going to cost you X anyway, and rentals are fucked because they just they just charge you up the wahoo and then you come back and all oh, there's a scratch here. And if you think you're going to drive your car around Australia and not get any scratches, you are so wrong. So, get your vehicle from one of these places. Now, there's not an equivalent um, type of companies that does motorbikes. So, if you want to get a motorbike, uh, you're just going to have to stump up for a motorbike uh, from a normal um, sort of thing. Um, if you do that again, Cat, it's going to be trouble. So, but look, it's, you can get cheap motorbikes in Australia. Let's, let's look. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Come on. Let's do it. Uh, we got to help you guys do your road trip properly. So, bikesales.com.au uh, is the place. Um, let's go what you want to have. Uh, we want road bikes, don't we? So, road bikes. And I'll just go sort by price, low to high. Let's have a look here. Uh, <laughs> that's pretty cheap. Uh, we don't want that piece of crap. The cheapest bikes here. Look at this. 1999. Oh, it's 250. No, we don't want a 250cc. That would be absolutely crazy. Oh, look here. 2012 Suzuki GSR 750 with 15,000 kilometers on it. $780. Holy shit, that's cheap. Uh, perfect condition, gar garaged all the time. Leo Vince exhaust, new tyres, Michelin Road Pilot 4. Um, look at that, shit, that. Tell you what, Suzuki doesn't hold its value. 780 bucks. 750 as in CC, that'll get you across Australia. No worries at all. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, 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 well, I mean, I don't need to find you more examples. That's brilliant. 780 bucks. And he's, asked that, he's asking you 780. You, what you do is you walk up to him and go, here's 500 bucks cash. And you show him the cash. And $100 bills in Australia are green. So five green bills. And he'll just go, yep, I'll take that money. Thank you very much. There you go. 500 bucks for a bike. 750. And you'll sell it back at the end and probably get your money back. So how's that? That's pretty good, isn't it? So... 
buy your vehicle in Cairns and from here you're going to leave I can get laid hopefully and have a great party time um, you know, leave Cairns, head down the tropical coast here, and you're coming to a town called Townsville. Now, Townsville is the opposite of Cairns, so you can't get laid in Townsville. Uh, the only good thing about Townsville is the road is the sign that says you're leaving Townsville. Um, there is a little island off Townsville called Mag- Mag- Magne- Magnetic Island. Now, I know this part of the world really well, apart from the fact that I've done the Cairns to Sydney trip two or three times. I was, uh, for the rafting company when I was living there, I was their marketing manager for the East Coast run from Cairns to Ellie Beach. So every couple of months, I'd take 10 days and drive down and stop at all the backpacker hostels all the way down the coast and do giveaways and parties and stuff. And it was absolutely brilliant. Um, Some of the cats stopped being naughty. (sighs) Um, That was animal violence. Ah. What are you doing? Hmm? Stop it. Right. I used to do games. I used to organise games. And I'd be able to give away rafting trips. And let me tell you. Let me tell you. For a t-shirt, a Swedish backpacker will do a lot. But for a $120 rafting trip, and it was 120 bucks 20 years ago, oh my lordy. Now, I'm not going to... I'm not trying to say... Why did my cat have to choose this time to be a moron? I could pause this podcast right now, but then I'd have to cut and paste, and it's just a pain in the ass. Hang on a second. All right, come here, Tom. Come here. Come on. All right. So, sorry about that. So, um, uh, let's see. Um, oh, I've got to let Aaron know, sorry, I've got to let Aaron know that I'm actually recording this because I know that, well, now I've understood his, his, um, <laughs> if you wanted this week, not next week, uh, let me just write this to him, recording podcast now, thought you meant by next week, sorry, we'll have it to you in an hour. There we go. All right, set. Um, okay, so yeah, so I used to organise um, part uh, these these games nights, giveaway nights for the rafting company to promote, promote the rafting company because all of the backpackers were heading up the coast towards Cairns. Like Cairns was often their last stop. So we were trying to get them on their way up and uh, get them to book in their trip with us, not with the competition. So my favourite games... That I do my two favourite games. Um, there are a lot of girls. Obviously, the erotic banana eating competition. That was a surefired winner, um, and I'd let I'd let men enter it, obviously, but they would never win. Okay, and what you had to do the flip on it was that you two people had to eat the banana erotically, so one from each end. Um, and it was best if there was a girl at each end, let's be honest. Um, and if the girl, each girl was a Swedish backpacker, um, whose name was Helga. Well, it's just, it's just, and that happened a lot more often than you would have thought. The other really good game that I used to play was uh, a game of my own invention called Mr. Specklehead. Now, Mr. Specklehead uh, was much better for Japanese tourists because they tend to be kamikazes. 
So you get um, a, a container, a toothpick holder container with a whole bunch of 100 toothpicks in it all sitting up. And you get someone to hold that and the person goes, ah, bang, and slams their forehead into the toothpicks and then they have to bring their head up and we count how many toothpicks are embedded in their forehead uh, and they tend to fall out while we're counting and the person with the most toothpicks in their forehead won the coveted title of Mr. Specklehead and with that, a free rafting trip. And like I said, the Japanese always won that one. So I had the, I had the erotic banana eating competition for hot backpacker girls and I had Mr. Specklehead for crazy fucking Japanese people. So it was, it was great fun, a lot of fun. Actually, and Japanese girls were pretty good at Mr. Specklehead too, which was disturbing. Yeah, pretty disturbing. So I know this stretch of coast really well. So I'm just going to zoom in here a little bit on my Google Maps. Um, so we're, we're just going to blast through Townsville. Like I said, there's a, a, an island off Townsville called Magnetic Island. Not, not too bad. More of a like a, um, it's a holiday island, but it's more like a retirement island. Uh, so, you know, I mean, you, you also got to understand about Cairns in this area of the world. If you look at the map of Australia, like people often, if their lives are fucked up, they'll, they'll try and, and they'll physically move um in the in the attempt in the in the mistaken belief that that will better their circumstances in, in, if, if you're moving somewhere and you've got a job lined up that's that's gonna be great for you well that you know that will better your better your circumstances but if it's just a case of my life sucks i'm a loser i tell you what i'll move here because then my life will be better there because i'm going to blame uh my, my life sucking on my external environment rather than me as a person then this, this move doesn't go too well for you because all they do is they transplant themselves and recreate their loserville in wherever they happen to be. Now, people do this a lot, and they tend to creep up the <coughs> creep up the east coast of Australia, coming right down the south from places like Tasmania and Melbourne, and they're going up and up and up. So Cairns is the last stop. You can't go anywhere north of Cairns unless you want to end up in um, Aboriginal um, you know, camps or Papua New Guinea. And I don't know which one's worse. So Cairns is full of kooky, kooky people, man. I mean, kooky fucks who have got there and it's the last stop. And so they're forced to... And also because it's a tropical environment, they're not forced to wear much clothing all year round. Uh, it's, a, it's a disturbing combination, oftentimes, oftentimes. It's amazing because up in Cairns you can get some of the hottest chicks in Australia, including girls that, that live there. And then you can get girls down at the... Mar I, I hesitate to call them girls. You can get these alien creatures uh, that are supposed to be females down at the market wearing, always wearing these, these long, cheap dresses that all look the same, and, but with no, no arms, cover, no, no covering on their arms. And it's like there's a competition amongst them um, who can grow out their armpit hair the most uh, now I've, i mean to the extent where some of them they could they could probably put it in their arm, armpit hair into plaits based on some of the, the, the finer examples that i've seen so 
Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting part of the world. So anyway, blow through Townsville. Uh, then you've got Air. Um, eh, there's nothing there. Um, and you've got Bowen. Now Bowen, there's a, a class of mango. Uh, mango is a fruit, and probably one of the nicest fruits around in Australia. Um, there's a, a class of mango called the Bowen mango. And they are really, really lovely mangoes. So what you're getting at Bowen is lots and lots and lots and lots of amazing fruit. In fact, you get amazing fruit all the way up here. Some of the crazier fruit that you can get um, from Cairns down, um, jackfruit, really, really weird, custard apples, and of course, durian. Now, durian is this oh, is this fruit, and you eat this fruit, and it's like a chemical high. It's almost like a drug. It's illegal in countries in Southeast Asia, like in Thailand, places like this. It's illegal to take durian into your hotel rooms, yeah? Because what people do is they buy the durian and it smells. And you can't get the smell out. It smells and smells. And they go on like a durian binge and they lose track of their... And they wake up three days later and they're, just, they're covered head to foot in durian. I'm not shitting you. And the, the room's fucked. The room's fucked. They have, to, they, have to, they have to strip the whole thing down to the bare walls and start again. So it's actually against the law in some countries... Uh, to take durian back, and and I um, I do know people who've been imprisoned for um, for breaking the durian law uh, in places like Thailand and Indonesia and stuff like that. So you can get some crazy stuff. As for being killed in nasty ways in Cairns, um, well I was up there for four years, and I apparently I didn't get killed in nasty ways. And I was rafting on the rivers. We used to we used to drive up uh, the. The Tully River, which was the main river up there, and if you're going to go rafting in Cairns, that's the only river you bother with, is the Tully. You, you drive up the, this gorge, and it's all tropical rainforest. And I used to host the bus, and we're talking big double, big double-decker buses, because we could put 160, 164 people, I think, a day uh, in one trip down that river. That's 24 rafts. Um, and there's a sign about midway up the road, which is about a 40-minute drive from Tully, and it says, warning, estuarine crocodiles inhabit this area. And I'd, I'd, I'd point this out to people and do the ooh. Well, the thing is that estuarine means they're coming up from the sea. And so they're only going to be in the lower um, flat part of the river. They're not going to be up where all the rapids are because they're not going to climb up rapids. Crocodiles don't do that. But the tourists didn't know that. So, um, but no, you won't get eaten by a crocodile. Um Snakes. Uh, we saw we were running around rocks a lot as rafting guys because we have to get out, stop our raft at the top of a rapid, and then run down um, and stand there with a rope to cover the rapid to make sure that no one, you know, if someone fell out, we rescue them, especially if they were a Swedish backpacker. Um, and I, I never saw a snake the whole time. Four years of doing that, so you know it's all right. There are a couple of interesting plants. Um, in the tropical rainforest around Cairns. One's called Wait A While. Uh, and Wait A While does exactly what it sounds like. It makes you wait a while. So it's like a, a clinging vine and it has these barbs on it. And if you walk the direction in which you walk into it, you need to walk out of it. So let's say you walk into it walking straight. Uh, you immediately need to stop and walk backwards and the vines will, the hooks on the vines will let you go. The problem is that the hooks all go because the vines, it's a climbing, so it's all tangled up. As soon as you, by the time you've walked into it, it's normally too late because it's already gone in a dozen different directions. So getting out of wait a while is hard and painful. 
Um, the other interesting plant up there is a plant called Gimpy Gimpy. Now, Gimpy Gimpy's got this kind of fern-like... Um, uh, let's... Let me... I think the best way for me to explain Gimpy Gimpy to you would be right now to Google... I don't know if I can get the spelling right. Gimpy Gimpy. Okay. Uh, here we go. So, also known as the stinging brush, uh, common in the rainforest areas, northeast of Australia, it's best known for stinging hairs that cover the whole plant and deliver a potent neurotoxin when touched. It is the most toxic of the Australian species of stinging trees. I don't know if I'm doing Aaron Clare any favours right now. The fruit is edible if the stinging hairs that cover it are removed. You'd no way you'd want to risk doing that. Um, contact with the leaves or twigs causes the hollow silica-tipped silica hairs to penetrate the skin. The hairs cause an extremely painful stinging sensation that can last for days, weeks, or months. And the injured area becomes covered with small red spots joining together to form a red swollen welt. The sting is infamously agonizing. Ernie a rider who was slapped in the face and torso with the foliage in 1963 said, For two or three days, the pain was almost unbearable. I couldn't work or sleep. Then it was pretty bad for another fortnight or so. The stinging persisted for two years and returned every time I had a cold shower. There's nothing to rival. It's ten times worse than anything else. However, the sting does... So there you go. Um... Apparently what the Aboriginals used to do is dig a pit and very carefully plant gimpy gimpy down at the bottom of it and the wild pigs would run, run along in the forest and fall into the pit and which was full of gimpy gimpy. Like if you just brush up against one plant, it's bad. But like if you tripped over and fell into a patch of gimpy gimpy, I think the, the neurotoxin shock to your system might be more than you could bear. But look, you've got to go deep in the rainforest to find this stuff. I, I actually brushed up against it very briefly once, and yeah, it was interesting. Okay, so we're down the coast in Bowen, and now we're going to keep going to Airlie Beach. Now, Airlie Beach is, that's where my backpacker marketing um, trips culminated in. Uh, this is one of the prettiest areas of the Great Barrier Reef. You have a Hamilton Island off here. Um, if you're going to do like a sailing cruise on the reef, uh, I wouldn't do it off Cairns. I'd do it off Ely Beach. It is absolutely phenomenally stunning. Um, they haven't managed to ruin the town. Um, really, really, really worth going to. I won't say that it's it's not a party town like Cairns, um, but you can still do very well yourself for yourself if you're that way inclined. Uh, it's also really easy to pick up part-time or just casual work down here, like working in a, um, if you're over on a working holiday, working in a, picking mangoes or even working in a backpacker hostel or a bar or something like that. Just so easy to get some holiday jobs here. Um, really, really good fun too. Uh, so out of Hilly Beach, we'll continue down the A1 down the coast. The A1 is known as the Bruce Highway. Um, you'd think that that would be like a six-lane beauty, but it's a two-lane piece of shit. Uh, Mackay. Look, from Mackay, and keep going all the way down, Rockhampton. Gladstone, this is a mining town. Um, Jinjin, Maryborough, all of this stuff down here is not that great because you're kind of you've left the tropical zone of Australia. You're into the subtropical, but it's pretty harsh. 
and it's just not as pretty. It's mostly sugarcane fields, like Bundaberg. There, you can see Bundaberg just above Maryborough. Um, you'd have to take a detour in to get to Bundaberg. Uh, that's where they make Bundaberg rum. So lots of sugarcane around this area. Bundaberg rum is not that great rum. There are some great Australian rums, but I no Bundaberg's not that fucking great. Anyway. So down here through Gympie, I don't know if that's where Gympie Gympie grows, I don't think it does. Uh, and now we're getting into the Sunshine Coast, Noosa, um, Brisbane, which is your first major city in Australia. Now, I was up in Brisbane last week. I was up in Brisbane last week, and I was um, really surprised at how much better it is now um, than it used to be. I was last in Brisbane 20 years ago. I flew down there chasing an Austrian bird. I wasn't chasing her. Um, we'd been seeing each other in Cairns and the sex had been so good that when she moved down to Brisbane, because she was just over on a working holiday, I was like, fuck it, I'm going to come down and see you for a week. Uh, the problem was, after three days, uh, I quickly discovered that no matter how good the sex was, I couldn't stand talking to her anymore, so I had to leave. Um, but uh, And Brisbane back there just didn't impress me at all. But wow, Brisbane's great. Uh, I was there for a couple of days and uh, visiting a mate and I took the, the ferry, which is this cat, hydro cat sort of thing, along the river all the way out towards Manly on the coast there through the city. Just beautiful stuff. And we ended up in a bar on the side of the river there. The Brisbane River, just amazing if the weather's right. Really, really nice. The city was nice to walk around in. I, I really rate Brisbane. I think Brisbane's, um, I think Brisbane's looking pretty good. In certain areas, like west up into the interland areas, I, I wouldn't bother with that too much. The largest marina in the Southern Hemisphere is in Brisbane. Marina as in private pleasure craft. So, yeah, there you go. Anyway, heading south from Brisbane, we've got the Gold Coast now. Uh, that's kind of like, uh, I suppose, the Miami area. Lots of big, tall residential buildings on the coast, um, burly heads there. It used to just be a sleepy fishing village. Um, but now it's it's quite uh, built up in that sort of area. Um, oh, look, worth having a look. You'll just south of Burley Heads after Gold Coast, you'll cross into New South Wales. So you've been in Queensland, the state of Queensland, for all this time. Now we're getting into New South Wales. Now, you've got Byron Bay here. Byron Bay is kind of the hip, hipsterville surfer capital of the East Coast. Yeah, it's worth seeing beautiful it's full of wankers though sorry if you listen to this from byron bay i'm not gonna say everyone from there is a wanker but it seems to be like a a wanker magnet attraction location for some reason i don't know why that is um but it is um but it's still nice and you can have a bit of fun now if you're on a car just keep following the coast all the way down grafton which goes inland a bit but then down towards Woolgaloog, I don't know how to say this word, Woolgulga, Woolgulga, never heard of it, and you've got Coffs Harbour there just below that, you see Coffs Harbour, Coffs Harbour's a nice spot, and what you'll discover around, it's a, it's a kind of a unique Australian phenomenon, for towns back in the 60s and 70s to distinguish themselves from other towns so that tourists driving around on their holidays would stop, they would, they would, they would build a oversized structure of something. So in Coffs Harbour, from memory, and I might get this wrong, but from in Coffs Harbour from memory, there's what's known as the Big Banana. And you can literally, it's huge. It's made out of pet, 
you know, fiberglass or something, and it's, but it's a banana. And you can go inside and there's like a restaurant there or there's a gift shop and blah, 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 blah. And these are around all these towns. Like you can, when we drove across 25 years ago originally, there was like the big whale, the big prawn, that's a shrimp, um, the big, I mean, everything. There's a the big everything, the big pineapple, big mango. I suppose in Byron Bay, there's the big hipster fuck doofus. What if they've got that there? Anyway, so if you're in a car, head, uh, well, or a motorbike, head down, Grafton, Grafton's something worth looking at, and Coffs Harbour's cool. Now, south of Coffs Harbour, if you're on a motorbike, head inland, okay? So Bellingen, Ebor, Armadale, this is the New England road, and this is one of the nicest roads for a motorbike in Australia. What I would do is just do a little roundabout route. So Bellingen, or just south of Coffs Harbour, go inland to Armadale, then head down, and then before Tamworth at Bendema, head head back towards the coast, Walcher, through the Cotan Binbang National Park, Mount Seaview, Kindy, and you'll finish up at Port Macquarie. Look, you can also do it in a car, but on a motorbike, this is a road that I'd want to be, um, that I definitely want to be doing. And I wish I'd known that when I was originally driving up all those years ago. Okay, Port Macquarie, we're back now. Head, keep heading south on the coast. Um, and this is this is getting fairly, I wouldn't say built up, but we're coming down towards Sydney now. Um, down here, and where are you going to stay, by the way? You're wondering where you're going to stay? Well, um, you can either stay at Backpackers uh, if you want a bed. Um, you can stay at a caravan park if you want to pitch a tent and have amenities. You can stay, um, find a little track and off the side of the road. I, I, I did that all the time. When I drove around Australia, apart from basically every on my motorbike, every fifth or sixth night, I would stop and be at a campground or something like that, just so I could have a shower and you know and get it a bit cleaned up. But there's there's heaps and heaps of options about what you want to do and all sorts of budgets, so it's fine. Uh, we're coming down through Newcastle. Now, Newcastle will be one of your major major city after Brisbane. Um, and Newcastle, if you're a surfer, uh, Merriweather Beach in Newcastle, absolutely sensational. Uh, and look, I haven't been in Newcastle for 20 years, but, um, uh, you know, I've heard it's okay. Central Coast, Gosford, that's where my grandmother used to live before she died. Sorry, Grandma. Um, and down into Sydney. Here we go. Okay. So, um, look, so Sydney, Sydney, um, if you've, want to know about Sydney, buy books about Sydney. My book has me moving from Perth to Sydney on my motorbike, and I talk a lot about where I stayed in Sydney, so get my book, and that'll help you out. Um, you've got two options from Sydney, because we're going to end up in Perth, which is on the other side of the country. Uh, and look, it depends on how quick you want to go. You can head inland from Sydney, go over the Blue Mountains through Katoomba, up through Bathurst, and cower and basically cut, cut right across and there's an infinite number of routes that you can take and whatever you want to do. If, however, you've got the time, then I would continue down the coast. Um, Wollongong, beautiful beaches, Nowra, and now we're getting down into um, what's known as the New England part of, the, of, uh, of Australia. Batemans Bay, gorgeous, all the way down here through um, we've got Bega, Tathra, Eden, um, we're still in New South Wales. All of this area is really, 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 really lovely. 
Uh, and you can take some inland jaunts. You'll notice if you move the map across, we've got the Kosciuszko National Park. So this is the mountain range, the snowy mountains here. Uh, I think the highest one, the highest one just clocks into 2,000 metres, if that. So, you know. Animals that are going to kill you along here, no, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Um, now, we'll cross over into Victoria. This is the state that I live in, or I like to call it Victoria Stan because it's a socialist state. Um, coming along here, um, this gets a bit not as nice. Lake's entrance is nice. So if you go along, we've got Wingan River, Can River, um, Orboost, and you've got Lake's entrance. Lake's entrance is nice. Now, you'd be looking here and thinking... Just south of Lakes Entrance, you've got this long estuary here, a place called the Honeysuckles, Golden Beach, Paradise Beach. And you'd be thinking to yourself, wow, this looks amazing. That's a shithole. Um, it's, it's all where the oil refineries are. So give that one a big miss. So at Lakes Entrance, follow the highway up through Bansdale, put your foot down, come along here. Um, you, this is basically... Real, real working class area through here. What you could do is deviate um, up into the mountains. So you can deviate on using the Omeo Highway, which is C486. That's the one I took in my book. So at Hayfield, you chuck a big uh, right, go up C486. I think that's the Omeo Highway. I might be wrong. Uh, well, there's a couple there. There's Borbor National Park. Where's Omeo? Because that'll tell me if it's the Omeo Highway. I need to zoom in. These are small towns through these mountains. On a motorbike, this is. These roads are a lot of fun. Okay, these roads are a lot of fun. If you and if you do those, you basically go through the mountains, come around the side, then you come into Melbourne, and you can see Melbourne now. This is where I live, Melbourne. Um, pretty cool spot. Um, and blast through Melbourne, and then what you're going to do is you're going to head down the coast again and do what's called the Great Ocean Road. Now, the Great Ocean Road is one of the scenic roads around Australia, and it's lovely. I've done it a few times in car and motorbike. Head down through Melbourne, Werribee, which is all, by the way, Werribee, this is still suburban Melbourne. Geelong is basically suburban Melbourne. Uh, head straight south at Geelong to Torquay, and at Anglesey, this is the start of the Great Ocean Road, which is B100, and you can see it through Aries Inlet Lawn, and it's really, really, really spectacular down through Apollo Bay, it cuts through the Glen Eyre, um, and oh, I suppose that, yeah, that's still the Great Ocean Road, up through Wattle Hill, Princeton, Port Campbell, uh, and it basically finishes at, I don't know whether it finishes at Warrnambool or Port Ferry, but um, amazing, amazing road to do. Keep following the coast around, and move the map a bit, we're going to South Australia, so the first town, just to help you out, so I'm not losing you in South Australia here, is Mount Gambier. So Mount Gambier, that's where my bike got fixed for free by the nice guys on my book when it broke down on the way across because the alternator had burned itself out. Thanks, guys. So we, we camped just outside Mount Gambier. Me and Eve, the French-Canadian, um, head up along the coast here and you'll see a town called Robe on the B101 highway. Uh, Robe has probably got, I'd say, the most beautiful beaches in Australia, by far, by far. And you can drive your car down on the beach, and you might think that's not a good idea, but you can drive a normal family sedan, two-wheel drive, not four-wheel drive, onto the beach, because the beach, beach 
sand is packed so hard and you can just drive down the beach, man. It's cool. It's really, really cool. Head north. Head north. Uh, this is the this coastal area here. And then we're getting into the Barossa Valley winemaking region of Australia. We've got Murray Bridge. Look, I'm not a big fan of Australian wines. The problem with Australian wines is you have to put them down for 10 years before they're drinkable. And you're not going to be doing that. So, I mean, they're okay. But I prefer European wines. Italian, French, Spanish. Anyway, Adelaide. Um, look, what can I say about Adelaide? Pfft, nothing. So we'll leave Adelaide behind. Um, head north here. Um, and you're going to go north, 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 up the A1, through Port Piri, up to Port Augusta, up the top here. So Port Augusta, we've got A1 kind of meeting the A87 and the B83 there now. Port Augusta, in Australian vernacular, is pronounced Port Agutta, mate. Port Agutta. Yeah, mate, where you going? I'm going to Port Agutta. Yeah. Oh, good, mate. Port Agutta. Yeah, all right. There you go. It's a shithole. On the A1, we're now, we're now crossing, you're now starting to get into semi-arid country. Okay. There's a town along here on the A1 called Iron Knob. How about that for the name of a town? Iron Knob. It's also Iron Baron here. Uh, this is Iron Ore country. This is harsh country. Uh, Kyan Cutter up to Sejunia. Seduna, Seduna. Now, have a look at Sejunia here on the coast. Where the A1 meets the coast is Sejunia. And you'll see... Is it... This area around Sejunia. So there's just the south is Smoky Bay. I think there's also Streaky Bay around here. This probably has some of the best oysters in Australia. So if you're an oyster fan, this place is The Shizzle. The Shizzle! Lovely. Sejuna will be your last decent bit of civilization before we cross the Australian desert. So chop down on your oysters, chop down on, you know, a nice cold beer i mean you're gonna get cold beer out there but this you're leaving civilization once you live leave sejuna and when you leave sejuna you'll notice that there's only one road and there's only going to be one road for probably a thousand kilometers you are now entering the desert now aaron said tell me that this isn't dangerous blah blah blah, blah. it's not dangerous but you do need to take some water with you you, you you're looking i think that the the look i on my motorbike i managed to i need to had to carry extra fuel with me once i think my range on my motorbike was 190 kilometers from memory and i think i had a 10 kilometer like the the, the the longest stop between gas stations was 200 kilometers so there was one point where i had to carry a bit of fuel but mostly done but look you're, you're entering in the desert and if you you want to do this the time of year you want to do this is oh look if i was going to do a trip around Australia. You don't want to do it in June, July, August because the bottom half of Australia is in winter and it's just going to be on a motorbike. I'm talking about a motorbike. and a car, do it whenever you want. And June, July, August up in Cairns and that area is the best time of year to be there. Um, but I was, if I was going to do it on a motorbike, I would do it in... I'd do it November. October, November. Okay, because December, January, February, I did my motorbike trip in my book pushing rubber downhill 
when I rode from Perth to Sydney, I did that in January, January of 1995. Now, that's high summer. That's equivalent to like July, August. And it was brutal as in temperature. So, yeah, you need to take this into account. But if we look at the, if we look at the zoom out a bit from Sejuna here and just look at this road. This is one road. You're going across the Nullarbor National Park. You will notice that Nullarbor National Park is shaded green. Do not for one fucking instant think that that means it's habitable. This is desert. You are in desert. Okay, desert. I think the Nullarbor Roadhouse is in there somewhere. And you've got the point where you cross the border from South Australia into Western Australia. And then you've got a spot called Eucla. Eucla Airport? What the fuck? When did they put that in? That is new. There was no nuclear. There was no nuclear. There was no Eucla Airport when I went through there three years ago. There we go. The last time I did this road was three years ago when I was driving. My wife and I, who's Dutch, we were moving from Perth to Melbourne, and I wanted to show you her a bit of Australia, so we drove across. Uh, you'll stop at Eucla because that's the roadhouse there. Quite infamous. Uh, it's nice. It's comfortable. It's kind of like a 70s throwback, especially inside the pub. It's cool in that sense. I mean, you if you if you want to get an idea of what Australia was like in the 1970s, I mean, a place like Eucla, it hasn't changed. It's the original, build, original building. It's the original pub. Shit, I think it's probably the original fucking people still there working behind the bar uh, as it was in the 70s. And you can drive down, or you can walk down actually to the coast there, and Eucla... Back in the late 19th century, used to be the point where they would uh, ship the sheep back to Europe. And there used to be a really famous jetty there. And it's all fallen apart and crumbling. And there was a telegraph station as well. But it's been, it's been slowly swallowed up by the sand dunes from the beach. It's really eerie to just walk down there. And the sea's really raw. I mean, you're in the Southern Ocean. There's nothing around. There's absolutely no habitation here. You're on the raw coast. So it's just a fantastic example of being able to see... Uh, this sort of stuff, I'd really recommend it. The other thing you can do is along the coast here, you've got just, if we go backtrack a bit on the air highway from where we cross over the West Australian, South Australian border, uh, if you go back a bit, you've got the Bunda Cliffs. And this is the really famous Nullarbor Cliffs. Uh, and you can walk right to the edge of them. I, I recommend being a little bit careful. Uh, you don't want to fall off the edge of the cliff. Uh, you can park there. I camped up there. Um, not at this one because we stayed at Eucla, but further down. Yeah, interesting stuff. Anyway, keep going on the air highway. As you can see, just the one highway. Just the one highway. Uh, you got Madura, um, Cockle Biddy. Uh, this is real. And then you got, did you see this real straight bit you got? This is the longest straight bit of road in Australia. I think it's 145 kilometers long, something like that. And then you can see it turn. Um, now, I'm going to zoom in here. You've got the first town you've got to here is Norseman, where there's another road. So now you've got an option. But there's a place to stay before Norseman. But I have to zoom in enough so that Google Maps sees it. It's basically a it's a it's a sheep station um, that's here on the highway, and Norseman is a horrible, 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 horrible town. I mean, you never want to stay in Norseman, ever. 
you just you just don't want to do it but it's not zooming zooming in and this this for me the place that I'm trying to find you right now is um, let's have a look Nullarbor sheep station it's look this is this is for me if you're gonna take all here we go um, phrase the Fraser Range Station on the Nullarbor Plain. So Fraser Range, spelled F-A-S-E-R, Fraser Range Station. Uh, you can book your accommodation there. Uh, when we went across, we stayed in, if you click on accommodation, we stayed in the self-contained cottage, Darby's Den. Uh, it's got a queen bed, you got up to three people, $155 a night. Just amazing. Really great place to stay, guys. Uh, Fraser Range, Nullarbor Plain. By the way, if any of you listen to this and you're Australian, I'm boring the shit out of you, I'm sorry. But not many Australians that I know have done this. And you should. You really should. Now, we get to Norseman. There are two options in Norseman, obviously. Um, you can go north, and that's the quick way to Perth. So north to Coolgardie. And then you're basically going straight through to Northern and then into Perth. And that's through the West Australian Wheat Belt. And if you're in a bit of a hurry, that's the way you go. If you, we're still in a touring kind of mode, at Norseman, head south to Esperance. Now, Esperance probably has some of the most beautiful beaches in Australia as well. I know I've said that a few times, but Esperance is pretty special. Very lovely. And then leave Esperance down along to Albany. I love Albany. I spent a couple of months there there with my wife a few years ago because uh, she had a, um, uh, a consultancy job that she had to finish down there. And it's just a, it's just a little special part of Australia. Um, very Scottish in a style, very rural. It's where the whaling station used to be. They've got some great little pubs there in Albany. My favourite time to be in Albany is winter because roaring log fire in the pub and that sort of thing. So look, if you're, if you're coming doing this in a car... June, July, August is a really good time because you get that, you get that great, the best time of year to be in the tropics in Cairns uh, and all the way down through Brisbane. And then, yeah, I know it's, it's winter in the bottom part of Australia, but I find winter atmospheric because in the Northern Hemisphere, your green time is the summer, obviously, and the winter it's all snowbound. But in Australia, our green time is the winter um, because in summer it's so dry that everything goes brown. Uh, and I just find that the landscape a lot softer. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to be out swimming in the ocean, um, but um, it's 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 just really lovely. That, that's what I would do myself, but not on a motorbike because that'd just be the, the epitome of miserable. Now, leaving Albany, don't go north on Highway 30. Keep following number one around because you're going to go through some of the nicest drive country in Australia. You'll see you go through a little town called Denmark, Bow Bridge and Walpole, and then it heads here north. This is just, this this road through the Shannon National Park, and don't go off to North Cliff, just keep going through the Shannon National Park. This is stunning. Uh, oh, you can go through North Cliff, actually. That's not, in fact, you might want to go through North Cliff. Beautiful stretch of road. So nice that, it's so nice you could turn around and do it again quite happily, especially on a motorbike. Just gorgeous. Especially in winter, very atmospheric. Huge carry trees in the Jarrah trees. Amazing forest country here. Just stunning. Kind of like your Northern California redwood sort of style. Up through North Cliff, uh, head back towards the coast here. We've got 
Augusta, then we've got Margaret River. So Margaret River is one of the other surf, surf capitals of Australia. You've got Gracetown, uh, Waterbrup and Yellingup. Um, this is all really, really famous big surf country. Big, big surf, five-metre swells, that sort of thing. Uh, then we've got Bustleton and Bunbury. Uh, nothing really fantastic on these places. Honestly, you get up to Perth. Now, in Perth, Perth, yeah, whatever. Uh, this is going to be the end of your trip. Um, so you would have done about... I'd say you would have done close to 9,000 kilometres at this stage. There's a little island off Perth called Rottnest Island. That's definitely want to visit that. Go for a couple of nights, book your accommodation there. It's the little family holiday uh, island of uh, Australia, of Perth, and absolutely stunning place to go. Okay? So there you go. That is my road trip of Australia. That's what I would do coming in. Start at Cairns, all the way around. Finish in Perth, fly out. How's that? I should do like Adam's Australia tours, but then I'd have to hang out with you lot all the way around Australia and oh my God, I'd rather shoot myself. Golden rules for traveling in Australia. Always have enough fuel, always have enough water. If you decide that you want to go into the inland areas, the real desert areas like through the center or something like that, you take five times the amount of water that you think you'll need. If you ever break down... You stay with your vehicle. You do not start walking looking for help because you'll get about 15 kilometers at the most and then you'll sit down under a little tree that you manage to find for a bit of shade and you'll die. That's what happens. So if you break down, you stay with your vehicle. Okay, You conserve your energy, get shade tent set up and conserve your water. Remember also you have water and radiators. Remember that. All right. Uh, this is supposed to... Not many tourists die in Australia, but the desert here is vast. And you just have to look at a map to find to discover that. I mean, if you look at the, the size of the de- your desert in the United States, it's not that vast at all compared to Australia. So keep that in mind. Um, if you're camping, um, I always keep my boots. Don't leave your boots outside your tent because your boots are warm and they're the perfect place for something bitey to crawl up into and have a sleep. So you come out, grab your boots, stick them straight in your foot, and that scorpion decides he doesn't like that. So you keep your boots inside the tent with you. Okay. Um, other than that, just, just, just use a bit of common sense, like anything else. I think that's the only real... If, if, the, if you're going on... Look, every road I'm talking about, though, is a sealed road. I'm not talking about dirt roads. Okay. If we're talking about dirt roads, and we, especially we're talking about... Uh, it's rained on dirt roads. Uh, the outback dirt roads I've done, because I did mining exploration and driving out on there, you really, really, really have to know what you're doing. Um, I, if you're going to go on dirt roads, I would go with an organised tour myself or go with someone who really knows what they're doing. Come and hire me. Look, if you want to come out and pay me to be your guide, and maybe some people listening to this are quite you know, well-heeled, and they're up to the Wahoo Zoo with cash. And they want, like, the guided tour of Australia. I'll take you around, show you all these amazing places, get you laid in cans. Well, I can't guarantee you that. Um, and I'll charge you an arm and a leg for it. I'm more than happy to do it. I'm more than happy to do it because I can, I can, my job is writing, so I can do that anywhere. As long as I've got some time every day at night to write away and I don't have to talk to you the whole fucking time, then I'm happy. So I'll do that for you. It's fine. Okay, shout-outs. The only shout-out I'm going to do on this podcast is to me. 
So uh, you can go to my website, Pushing Rubber Downhill, and you can check out my two books, Pushing Rubber Downhill and Run Guts Pull Cones. Run Guts push, Pushing Rubber Downhill is about you know my journey to manhood via whitewater adventures. Run Guts Pull Cones is about a five-month rafting season in Italy and all of the extraordinary hijinks that we got up to in there. It's really, really cool. And I'm working on my third book now. Uh, also have a podcast, the Pushing Rubber Podcast. I do that once a week. Um, and I hope you guys have enjoyed this. A little bit of an Australia tour. Um, that's all I got. Hope Aaron has enjoyed his time off and I'll send this to him right now because he needs it. Don't you go changing.